Welcome to Talking Taxes Hill Roundtable, a Bloomberg Tax podcast. We'll sit down with our Hill team to discuss the latest legislative activity dealing with tax. I'm your host, Amanda Icone, and we're excited you're here. Hi, I'm joined today by Ali Versbril and Stu Basu, both Hill reporters for Bloomberg Tax. Thank you for joining me. Very Thanks welcome. for having us. Stu, let's start with you. Um, we learned last week that senior officials have been working on a roadmap to implement the tax law. Tell us about that. So Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin and one of Treasury's top tax official, Dave Cotter, uh, met with uh, House Ways and Means Chairman Kevin Brady uh, to discuss the implementation of the tax bill. And I spoke to Brady afterwards, and he said that they are kind of drawing a roadmap for the rest of the year as to when they will, uh, the agencies will issue regulations on this new tax law and how to implement them. And first off, we have something coming in a matter of weeks on the deduction, the 20% deduction for pass-through businesses. There's been a lot of confusion about this provision, and there's been a clamor from businesses to get some clarity on this issue. And you know, there's all kinds of other regulations being planned for the rest of the year, and you know, Ali, Ali can fill us in on what's what's on tap. So obviously, you said, like you said, the twenty percent pass-through deduction. We're expecting to see some regulations, whether that's you know the end of June or potentially bleeding into July. We're not sure on that yet. Uh, we're also hearing that in the near term, potentially midsummer, maybe a little bit later in the summer, we'll, we should get some proposed rules on the repatriation tax. That's that tax on accumulated offshore earnings since 1986 and uh, you know we're hearing a matter of things of you know what might be included in those regulations are obviously going to build off on some of the notices that we saw earlier in the year and then potentially later looking more towards the fall uh, we should see some some highly anticipated guidance on the base erosion anti-abuse tax you know commonly referred to as the beat uh, we also may see some guidance around that time frame on a tax on global intangible low taxed income. This is called the guilty tax. Uh, and so, you know, we'll have to see uh, what's kind of included in some of those. And, you know, to be clear here, um, Dave Carter has said previously that it might take years for all the guidance to come out. But they, these are the most important ones that they want to address this year. And, you know, they, they will keep tweaking this list. I expect to see Mnuchin and Carter on Capitol Hill every week now as they kind of uh, keep working on this list. And I think it's important to note too, you know, we might not have every single question answered in the regs that come out. Um, there's probably still going to be things that they're going to have to address in later packages. We have some hints on what they may address in sort of these um, initial proposed regulations on repatriation. Last week we heard that they may um, they may look at accumulated, or sorry, accelerated payments. So basically, uh, you're allowed to elect to pay that tax in eight installments, but there are certain events that can trigger an acceleration of those payments where you have to you know, pay any remaining uh, tax liability sooner than maybe you had originally planned for. Uh, so they might look at those in the proposed regulations. They said they've had a lot of questions on that, um, on that issue. And then in terms of the guilty, you pair that with this new deduction on foreign-derived intangible income, we've heard that there are a lot of similarities in the provisions, so there may be some aspects, particularly on the ways in which those are computed, uh, that may be co combined in one rule. So that's also something that we're anticipating to 
uh, find out as the summer progresses. Meanwhile, Congress continues to work on a technical corrections bill. Ali, what is the latest there? So technical corrections, uh, what we're hearing right now is that the Joint Committee on Taxation, uh, Treasury, as well as you know, Democratic leaders and Republican leaders in the House Ways and Means Committee and Democratic leaders, Republican leaders in the Senate Finance Committee, uh, they're all kind of working together right now to devise a list of what are true technical corrections. So those are things where maybe the conference report on the new tax law doesn't match up with what the statute actually says, where it's a clear uh, in indication that this was a technical error, uh, you know, something that Congress didn't intend. So right now, that list is being put together. It seems like there may be some hesitance, uh, hesitance from um, Democrats to agree on some of these without trade-offs. So we'll see how that progresses. I know that I spoke to Congressman Peter Roscom last week, and he said that he's not anticipating seeing any sort of technical corrections bill before the midterm elections in November. Uh, so potentially that's something that comes you know, after those elections. And which kind of leads us to the fact that if the House were to flip next year and the Democrats were in power, will we ever pass a technical corrections bill? Because this seems like a replay of the Affordable Care Act, where you know the Democrats might not want to help the Republicans out to solve problems with you know, a very partisan tax bill. But at the same time, sometimes lame duck sessions, they end up getting a lot of work done. So is that possible, too, that the absolutely, lame duck session absolutely. works? It's, it's all about what they get in return. And, you know, there might be some meaningful policy uh, items we might see during the lame duck session. So, yeah, we have to keep an eye on that. And I think it's important to remember with some of these technical corrections, um, you know, specifically there's one on qualified improvement property and the cost recovery period there. It impacts retailers, restaurants. Obviously, these Democratic lawmakers, they have retailers and restaurants as constituents as well as Republicans. Uh, so there may be ones they be maybe more willing to address. Uh, like Stu said, I think we're also, we're just going to have to have some negotiations. There's going to have to probably be some trade-offs, uh, sort of like we, what we saw with that you know, so-called grain glitch issue earlier in the year. Well, we also have um, a nominee to be the, the next IRS commissioner. What is the latest on the confirmation hearing process? So still uh, no date has been set for the confirmation hearing. We saw an announcement last week that several other positions you know, were, were scheduled uh, for a hearing. Those included uh, two nominees for judges for the U.S. Tax Court. Uh, I guess notably last week, Reddig you know, did withdraw or did request to, be, to withdraw from um, a high-profile U.S. Tax Court case involving Michael Jackson's estate. Uh, you know, that's all happening against this backdrop of him continuing to go through the Senate uh, Finance Committee's vetting process. And so, you know, maybe we'll see some sort of announcement this week on when a, a date will be set. You know, maybe not. It's a little unclear at this point. Is that still likely to happen again this this summer, this fall, before the midterm elections? Uh, absolutely. I mean, uh, there's pressure from uh, senators like Rob Portman to have the hearing sooner rather than later because, you know, the IRS is in limbo for, in some ways and they want to see a permanent uh, commissioner. So it's, it's likely to happen, but, you know, the politics of the Hill and the unpredictability keeps kind of derailing the process. How big of an impact is the, that vacancy at the head of this agency having on the rule writing process? Well, I think it's important to remember, you know, so right now David Cotter is serving two roles. He's the acting IRS commissioner. He's also the assistant secretary for tax policy. So 
Uh, that's a huge workload in two important positions. Um, it's, I don't know if it's necessarily delaying the process, but I know Republicans and also the tax community would really like to have Reddick in that position so that it kind of makes this process, you know, run a bit more smoothly. And, you know, in the backdrop here, we, we've had two high-profile departures from the administrative side when it comes to top tax people in the last two weeks. Uh, Shahira Knight, uh, you know, who was uh, the top Trump person for taxes, left. And so did Drew Maloney, the Assistant Secretary of the Treasury for Legislative Affairs. You know, people are looking for certainty. Businesses are looking for certainty. And Rettig's nomination would help ensure that. Well, that's it for this week. I want to thank Bloomberg Tax Hill reporters Ali Versprill and Stu Basu for joining me. Thanks You're very welcome. Us. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today on Talking Tax. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Bloomberg Tax and subscribe to our show on iTunes or SoundCloud. Tune in next time for even more analysis on the tax news of the day. From the nation's capital, I'm Amanda Eichhorn.